0: Hello, my little darklings, and welcome back to the best in paranormal talk radio. This is the Paranormal 60. Sadly, I was reminded just how fragile life is. Yesterday was my sister's birthday, and as I was preparing to send her a message, I got a call from our half-brother that her other half-brother on her mother's side passed away on her birthday. I ask that you put out a thought of prayer and healing for my sister Kelly and her family as they suffer through this loss, but it sets you back on your heels on a day of celebration of birth that is now tainted with the concept of death, reminding us just how close that gap really is. All of us are fascinated by what comes next, skeptics and believers alike. Skeptics will tell you that they've come to terms that there is nothing, so there's nothing to fear. But in private conversations, they all tell me they hope there's something. They hope they're wrong. Is there something more? You tune in and Listen to podcasts like this, or perhaps watch TV shows like The Holzer Files and Ghosts of Devil's Perch seeking proof of the afterlife. But does it really exist? That's the question that keeps niggling at the back of your mind. Tonight, we hope to reveal the spiritual process of dying and what happens after death. Our guest, Sally Crow, seeks to normalize the spiritual aspects of -of end-of-life care, and explains how active dying exists outside of normal reality, in a state in which the dying person and their caregivers often experience a heightened state of consciousness. She'll share thought-provoking stories of spirit contact and synchronicities that occurred for those actively involved in the dying process, and reveals how these encounters are common and act as guideposts along the journey into death. Hoping to ease transition? Can we help loved ones who are stuck or struggling to finally cross over? And what practices can we do to help honor our beloved dead and develop living relationships with our ancestral spirits? These are the topics we'll discuss this evening when we return to the best in paranormal talk radio. I'm Dave Schrader, and this is the Paranormal 60. I'm not going to stand here and listen to this baloney. He
1: won't know. He doesn't stand for baloney. Sounds like a lot of supernatural baloney to me. Supernatural. Perhaps...
2: Maloney, perhaps not.
0: Our guest, Sally Crow is a natural psychic medium who weaves the traditions of her Irish traveler and Blackfoot heritage with modern magical techniques. For more than 30 years, she's worked as a spirit channel, seer, and intuitive healer, offering readings and teaching workshops throughout the United States and internationally. Sally Crow is also the author of *Spirit Speaker: A Medium's Guide to Death and Dying*. She lives in the Northeast Kingdom of Vermont, and it's her first visit here with us. Let us welcome now to the Paranormal 60, Sally Crow. Thank you so much for being here.
2: Thank you, Dave. Thanks for having me. This is um, it is a different time zone here, so we're at um, in the Eastern time zone. So we have a mm-hmm. lot of snow. I don't know how much you have, but it's still winter here.
0: Oh, well, you're crying to the wrong guy. I live in Minnesota. So, oh, um, yeah. so whatever you've, whatever you've got, we would just <laughs> giggle at as a, as a blustery no, I day. I
2: agree. I agree. <laughs> I have a friend from Minnesota and she's told me stories. So
0: yeah. Well, let me, let me ask you really quickly. Obviously you've got a diverse background. Uh, Irish traveler and Blackfoot backgrounds. Do you find that there's more commonality between these uh, than there are differences or is it two radically different worlds and approaches to things like death? Um, so first
2: of all, I was taught by my great grandmother. Um, so when I talk about being of Irish traveler and Blackfoot, ancestry, this is where my spiritual teachings came from. And they were really woven together in the way that I was taught. So I was being educated, if you want to call it that, through games and stories by the time I was about three or four years old. And I would say I'm also a Druid. I am a educated person in um, Celtic spirituality and Druidry. And I find that there are a lot of crossovers between Druidry, the teachings that were passed down through my family's Celtic heritage and Native American practices. They're not the same, but they all are very much um, centered around an appreciation for the earth and a respect for our ancestors. And this belief that the spirit world is not separate from us. It is different, but it's still here. We are still in the same space, just a different dimension than our ancestors.
0: All right. Well, getting into the concept, you know, uh, leaning into articles recently, uh, you know, there's an article we'll be talking about on the news this week where science proves there cannot be an afterlife, right? Science is taking a hard edge look and approach at some of these things. Yet there are other instances where science believes firmly in something existing beyond the physical form. Why do you think there's still this chasm between science and spirituality? Well,
2: science wants to be able to quantify everything and wants Mm -hmm. to be able to measure it and to, you know, prove it under all these different kinds of, you know, tests. And Mm -hmm. spirit seldom falls into any testing apparatus that they currently have. Okay. But if we look back, a lot of things that science now talks about spiritual practitioners have been talking about for generations this isn't like new concepts like when quantum theory comes out with all these different beliefs about you know parallel lives and stuff it's not like that's a shock to psychics
0: i i'm fascinated as many are with the whole concept of reality of where consciousness lies where our life truly lies it almost feels like at times we are outside of the physical form watching this life play out it's almost like a state of uh like an avatar in a video game system right It's, it's this disconnect and then there are other times where we feel primally connected you know i just i came back from egypt and there were moments in these pyramids and tombs when you felt truly at one with your surroundings, one with yourself and with the, the energy of the land and the people and the ancestors that were there. But there's there's a bigger disconnect, it appears, than a feeling of connectedness. Is, is that important for us to try to live a a full life if we felt connected deeply rooted to our ancestors and to our our consciousness being above and outside of who we are do you think we would be so distracted with that if that was the normal that it would be hard to lead a, a regular life
2: yeah i do i think for a lot of people um i live a life that is very much i say i'm in a light trance state a lot of my life Mm -hmm. Um, Because I have a, outside of being a writer, I've been a professional psychic and medium for the last 30 years. So I, my regular day job is, is being in that state. And I think it takes a lot. Because one of my favorite sayings, and I'm going to use the word shaman in a general term of anybody who spends a lot of time in that altered reality, Mm -hmm. and is that the water that the shaman swims in is the same water that the psychotic drowns in. And what that means is that a person who is working deeply with spirit on a regular basis has to have a really good understanding of themselves. They've had to work on their personal wounding and trauma and they have to really know themselves kind of inside out in order Mm -hmm. to not think they're crazy sometimes, especially when somebody is opening
0: up to spirit. You talk about a lot of tender subjects throughout your book as well. And, you know, as we, examine death there's going to be different aspects of this um you know i i have been doing paranormal talk radio for 18 years hearing different stories from all walks of life different cultures different religions and belief systems but they all seem to kind of intersect in the afterlife that no matter what your belief system is, it always seems that these people have had even skeptics alike, like Dr. Eben Alexander, right. A neuroscientist, uh, suddenly is very awoke to God and to yeah. the afterlife. And and there's to him, no rationalizing the way it, it is what it is. Um, I'm curious in, in in all of these different cultures and belief systems and all of these different realities or paradigms of um, acceptance of death, do you see uh, a commonality through them all um, that is still surprising to you? Uh, You know, that, that there are people still questioning what's going on out there?
2: I think one of the things I talk about a lot is that it's sometimes hard because if you're a person who has personal contact with spirit, Mm -hmm. there's no faith required. So for people who don't have personal experiences, everything is based on faith or what somebody else says, or what somebody else has told you, or these, you know, with, Personal experience. So Mm. I feel that I can understand why people still doubt because, you know, I'm a fortunate person. I was born into a family that had spiritual gifts, which meant that from the time I was like three or four years old, my grandmother was telling me, you know, dead people talk to you, Sally, it's okay. And so instead of having doors shut down, I had doors open, doors supported. And most people don't grow up with that kind of benefit. I think that's a bigger benefit in some ways than the fact that I have natural psychic abilities. It's that I had not only a grandmother who people came to see, you know, like she was doing this professionally at a time where she got by by selling worms and, you know, her food, but really it was people coming to talk to their dead. And um, and my sister's also a psychic. So, you know, like I can't say that I, don't understand why people disbelieve. I actually like people who are skeptical when I am doing spirit communication and I, I am a skeptic. If you tell me Mm -hmm. you can do something, I want you to be able to prove to me you can do it. So I understand why people come in with a lot of resistance. And a lot of it is that they don't want to get their hopes up and have those hopes destroyed you know like they're afraid Mm. to like put faith in something
0: it's funny though right i'll put faith in a vikings football team that lets me down year after year right not in the concept of of life after death it's like it's that step is so much harder for me when i've been let down constantly by people by my surroundings by the things that i give time and attention to but then you know, enriching that part of my life through afterlife study and understanding. It still seems like this, um, uh, just an unbelievable, surreal uh, concept as opposed to a, a tactile deal. And I've spoken, I've spoken to spirits. I've heard spirits speak to me. I've seen things, but my perspective is constantly shifting like sands through the hourglass of what i believe these these experiences truly are and am i talking truly to dead people or am i talking through veil of space and time and sometimes this echo i'm the ghost that they're seeing they're yeah. the ghost that i'm seeing and we're exchanging information and knowledge and that's how maybe how our civilization has grown through all of this time is it's not by spirit in the sense of dead people, but spirit is in the sense of communing through the tapestry of time in, in misunderstanding or misidentifying things as a dead being when it is a fully living life force that's That's coming from our future or our past.
2: I think that it is a fully living life force. I talk about having living relationships with our dead. And, you know, and the fact that um, I really am, have always been, I tested spirit. And in the beginning, when I first started doing spirit communication, I had a huge opening. My first book, Jump Girl, um, had a, the initiation and art of a spirit speaker that came out in 2018. That was a memoir of my life, growing up psychic and having this huge opening to spirit. Because I was working as like a precognitive psychic, you know, like, Um, and counselor for years before I started working as a spirit medium. And I had a huge opening that made me question my sanity. Um, But one of the things in the beginning for me was sometimes I thought I was reading people's minds, you know, like maybe I'm not really talking to spirit. Maybe I'm reading this person's mind and picking up and I believed in spirit. But I still sometimes questioned, like, could I be reading their mind? Could I be telling them what they want to hear? Could I be, you know, but then I started having spirits that would tell me things that the people didn't know anything about. And then having phone calls the day later, two weeks later, when they talked to other family members and said, you know, yeah, you were right. You know, my grandmother did have a whole, you know, wooden box full of embroidered linens. She didn't make them. They were her mother's, you know, was things that were really detailed. Um, and then spirits started doing things like talking about conversations people were having on their way to come see me. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. i had some wacky stuff, some of it very physical. Um, I had people ask me once after a seance, how spirit could get me to talk to their living and i said that they had to convince their living to contact me because i'm not the kind of person who'd go up to somebody and tell them you know this (laughs) is a message that has to come through i find that very um tasteless and inconsiderate of people's ability to mourn and so what happened was maybe a month later, I can had... I, can I mention
0: one thing real quickly? I hope people heard that message of what you just said. Mm-hmm. Um, I I can't tell you, you know, um, with losses my wife has had, losses I've had over the years, how many people will reach out within hours of me posting, oh, your mother's here with me now. No, she's not, Right. you know? don't, don't come to me with that. If, you know, I know if my mom were going to come through to me, it wouldn't be through a complete stranger. It would exactly. be through somebody that I knew that she knew and loved. It would be, there would be different angles of that. And part of you wants to take that message, but on the other half, it does feel very uh not voyeuristic, but it feels very um capitalistic, right? Like they're capitalizing on this moment to try to shine. Let me show you what right. I can do as opposed to allowing you to have that that, that moment of bereavement and, and, and grief. Or Um, even
2: that, um, when I had my opening to spirit, a spirit guide that I've been working with for, you know, the last 20 years mm -hmm. was my youngest sister's best friend. And we don't have a lot in common, my sister and I. So I knew him and I always loved him when he died and he showed up at first. I thought that he was coming just to pass a message to my sister. He was part, a big part of my opening. And one of the things he kept wanting me to do was to tell his call his mother. And I was like, I can't do that. And so finally my younger sister did contact his mother and she said that it wasn't that she didn't believe, but that she couldn't handle it. And that has always stuck with me that I don't know whether that person is prepared to have this kind of message come through. It's not my place to make that decision. Um, So going back to my original story, though, what happened was I had somebody come to see me. And then at the end of our session, they said, I have to tell you how I found out about you. And they said that they received a message on their answering machine that was intended for somebody else. And that the message was talking about me and how they'd been to see me and their experience with me. Okay, Mm. And it gets weirder because then they got a second message that was meant that was from the person that the message was originally for. So the message got to the person it was for, it just also landed in this person's voicemail twice. Mm. The second person had also been to see me. So that, wow. you know, was after spirit had asked me like, Hey, how do I get you to do this? Like, you got to convince them to call me. And it has happened more than once, not to that extent, but that was one of the coolest things because I'm always amazed what spirit individual spirits will do to make contact.
0: You, you'd spoken a little bit ago and you're talking about the things that you were looking at as evidential proof that you were communicating with a spirit. And I love the fact that you question even your own abilities Mm -hmm. and where that information comes from, because I thought one aspect when you were like, how would I know you know about the the box of linens that the grandmother had when she didn't even know it but then i think science has proven that there is genetic memory true right so so that's an interesting element to me is that things we don't necessarily know are still filed in our genome rolodex right yes. things from our parents and our lineage that might be a part of who we are so mm-hmm. i love the fact that you're still questioning that because i often wonder talking to some of my medium friends not necessarily that you're reading the mind, but if you're tapping into the Akashic records or the ethereal internet, right. That that's downloading this information and it exists around us at all times. Right. Um, is it always the spirit of, is it Dave's mom coming through to you or is it your guide talking to my mom, relaying the messages through your guide? I talk directly to people's
2: spirit most of the
0: time. The
2: only time that I have my guide get involved is if the spirit is having a hard time communicating. Because one of the things that I point out to people is it's not just the skill of the medium. It's also the skill of the spirit. Mm -hmm. So, for example, when I die, I'm going to be a great spirit to communicate with because I know how to do it. Okay, Mm -hmm. somebody who has a hard time communicating in physical form is probably also going to have a hard time communicating when they're dead, because it's not like you get a handout when you die on how to best communicate with the living. You know, you've got to figure out through trial. There's no,
0: there's no handbook for the recently deceased.
2: No, there really isn't. There should be. And let me tell you, I ask lots of questions. I Mm -hmm. actually joke a lot and say that my, um, my tombstone someday should say why, and not why did I die, but just why in general, why? So if a spirit shows me something, I always want more information, you know, like, I am very inquisitive, but I've also been a person who, like when you talk about questioning the reality of it, it, I truly believe in reincarnation. I believe that when we die, we become all that we ever were and that it's also why it's going to be more rewarding when meeting with a medium to allow the spirits to tell you things that they remember. Instead of holding out for one thing that you think is the proof that they're there, because often when you let them just tell you what they remember, they're going to tell you something that's so peculiar. I've had some strange things. I had a person who I was doing a seance, and this was early, like one of the first seances I ever did. And I gave the family a lot of information that felt valid to them. And they were talking to like a grandfather father figure at the time. And he kept showing me a giant rooster. I mean, like literally a picture of a giant rooster in my head constantly. And I kept thinking like, I can't tell them that I am seeing a giant rooster, you know, because I'm doubting. But finally I was like, look, I don't know if this is gonna mean anything or not. I said, but he keeps showing me a giant rooster. And they all started laughing because their grandfather had a statue of a rooster, a large giant rooster in his yard. So that piece that I thought was and that's where most people don't get their messages because they don't allow they think that's too weird. That couldn't Mm -hmm. be it. When often that's like the frosting on the cake, if you will. You know, it's that piece Mm -hmm. that makes it so personal that, you know. But you have to go out on a limb to be even able to say, I'm going to say this
0: because this is so strange. Right. And that's the evidential piece of what you do, right? right? This is the, I it, at any point you could say, and I've watched mediums give these very basic readings and yeah. I don't put them down because maybe that is the information. But when I can, if I'm a medium and I'm looking at uh, an overweight woman whose eyes are looking at the ground and right. not wearing any makeup, you could tell she's not self-confident. She's and, and if, oh, there's somebody here, it's an older, I feel like it's a male spirit and I'm like I'm picking up a father or grandfather type figure. Does this make sense? And you get that slight nod. And then he's he wants you to know how proud of you he is. Suddenly feeding into the weakness mm-hmm. of that person, I've watched them elevate and change. Which I've said, you know, when people are like, what do you do with the charlatans? I said, you know, it's really tough to me to discern what is a charlatan? I've seen people spend tens of thousands of dollars on a therapy couch right. that never walk away feeling... Closed, and I've watched somebody spend 50 minutes and a hundred bucks with a medium and walk away feeling closure and their head lifted high, feeling that connection again with their family. And I think, isn't it both just a form of therapy? Mm -hmm. Isn't it both just a way of hearing kind of what you wanted to hear to begin with? And you know, I don't believe in exposing that raw nerve, and but they need you to have me. Talk to you every week, and it's a hundred dollars yeah. every time we talk. That's when I start. That's you're, right, you're that's picking different. at that cavity, right? Um, so you're right. I mean, obviously, there's that that the lineation line between being helpful and being a predator, which right. you know, I, I've really found fascinating with many of the mediums I know that will actually you know they'll do two or three readings for a person and then say really Sally Crow this is this is the last time I'm going to read for you because right. I feel like we're just disturbing this spirit over and over he's already given you his love his his caring you know he he's let you know all is forgiven right. and and to be kind to yourself I just feel like at this point I'm taking your money to just keep recycling the same information and I've always mm-hmm. thought wow that's really powerful to hear um you know, that, that mediums are willing to step back and, and accept that angle. Um, I find the that beginning...
2: most people, if it's a very, well, I'm also a healer. I've been, um, mm-hmm. I have my Reiki master in six schools of Reiki. I've been a sound healer for 20 years. Um, I live in a small area and grew my business literally word of mouth, you know, because I, and people come back to me. I have some clients that I've had for, you know, 20 years mm-hmm. and, I find that one of the things that happens is that I would rather work with people on healing and teaching them how to connect with their dead, how to create, you know, a healing relationship. And so sometimes people come to see me for spirit communication and they may come back a few times with other relatives. They may come back and decide that what they really need to do is have some healing. And then it's not like, I worked with a young boy. Well, he was a spirit. He had, it was really tragic. He was a suicide, but it was a medication kind of situation. And um, when I, another medium actually sent the mother to me because I, I work more on a level of a counselor. So that's how I approach things. But Mm -hmm after the first session, when the mom would come back in, her son would show up every time. And one of the times she showed up, I was like, did you go to Chuck E. Cheese this weekend? And she was like, no, but I went to something like that. And so she'd gone to this big, you know, amusement park pizza place. And the reason I knew, and she's like, how do you know that? I said, because your son told me that, you know, she kept showing me images of you being there with his siblings and I know that you went. And so, I find that that in my own opinion is what helps people to start formulating a living relationship with their dad because they start to realize like that person's watching over me. You know, they knew that I painted the walls of the bedroom purple. They knew that I was at Chuck E. Cheese or whatever it is. So, um, I think in any profession, I tell people there's good plumbers and bad plumbers. There's good mediums and bad mediums. You know, right. it's it's like anything.
0: We're going to take a, a quick break. Uh, when we come back, I do want to touch on some more sensitive subjects um, and, and things that have appeared in the news as of early as today um, and, and personal cases, things that I know about that I just would love to get your insights on. And I think uh, many of our our listeners and viewers worldwide would like to know as well. Um, For those of you that are in our chat room, uh, if you have questions directly correlating with our conversation tonight, uh, I'll keep an eye on it. We'll throw some of those questions up and I'll direct them to Sally Crow as we continue to have our conversation this evening. Um, And I also uh, have a link for her website on tonight's program guide. There's also a link to get the book. And uh, to keep up with it that way as well, again, the book is Spirit Speaker, A Medium's Guide to Death and Dying. We'll cover more of that when we, when we return. Uh, I do want to say, do me a big favor, folks. If you love the show and you want to show support for the show, support the advertisers who support this program as well. Tonight's show is being brought to you by some fantastic sponsors who believe in what we do and who we reach. And you following them, electing to choose your money to spend with them goes a long way. So make sure that when you hear our advertisers and they give special links and special codes, use those codes so that they know our listeners are paying attention. Our listeners are taking advantage of the great opportunities that they're making available for us. And as I said, I'm bringing you items that I know, I use, and I believe. So we'll be talking more about that as well as the show progresses. But I know there's a lot of you, you just saw me come back from Egypt. You know I'm going to be in Savannah at the end of this week, and you want to know where you can see me. Check out darknessevents.com. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. What's the first thing that you'd do if... Say you had an extra hour in your day. Would you go for a run, maybe take a nap, read a book, or just show up for a friend? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. And the question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you, so you can do more of it. H-E-L-P H E L P. dot com slash P60. It's time to take control of your life. Dave's here rooting you on, and if I can do this, you can do this. Let's do this together. Betterhelp.com slash P60. There's
1: a link for it on today's program guide. Join us for this amazing paranormal conference that's being held in a haunted school in Glen Wisconsin. Haunted Midwest Ghost Tours presents Great Lakes Paranormal Conference on September 22nd through the 24th, 2023. We have some great speakers with Jason Hawes, Adam Berry, Sherry Benedetti, Lyle Blackburn, Shane Pittman, Sarah Lemos, Dave Schrader, Jeff Bellinger, along with Wisconsin's very own Chad Lewis, and many more will make this one of Wisconsin's most talked about events. We have over 40 vendors and nighttime investigations at various haunted locations with special guests. Get your tickets now at GreatLakesParanormalConference.com and find us on Facebook under the same name. Choose from VIP, General 3-Day, and Day Pass. Again, that's GreatLakesParanormalConference.com. Haunted Magazine is packed full of the paranormal, stuffed with the supernatural, sauteed with spookiness, garnished with ghosts and even drizzled with a dash of demons. If you want histories, mysteries, ghost stories, hauntings, weird stuff, freaky stuff and more supernatural than you can shake a stick at, come and see Haunted Magazine for the world's best paranormal writers. Visit www.hauntedmagazineprintshop.com for your latest scare. Remember kids, don't be normal, be paranormal.
0: There's a lot of great opportunities to see me and get a chance to interact, mingle, talk, share ideas. I'll be at GalaxyCon in Richmond, Virginia, March 24th through the 26th. If you go to GalaxyCon.com, dot com and use code galaxy two five that's galaxy 25 you can get 25 percent off of your tickets go to galaxycon.com for some of the best multimedia presentations everything from comic books to movies role play games you want it they've got it and an amazing group of guests that are at all of these fantastic sites i'll be there as their paranormal contingent leading two or three different talks on different aspects and elements of the paranormal with some special guests and i'll be hosting some of the other panels as well with celebrity speakers so again you can find out where i'll be which galaxy con and is it in your area you can check all this information out at galaxycon.com also head on over to my website at darknessevents.com you can see me at parasicon four. They have very cool guests that are going to be a part of this at Ohio State Reformatory. You'll recognize this place from the Shawshank Redemption. This was Shawshank. They've got uh, an amazing history. I have had so many strange paranormal experiences there. Marianne Winkowski, the real ghost whisperer, the show is based on her, will be there, as will the Ghost Brothers, Andrea Perrin, Dave Giuliano, Christopher Booth, Daniel Klass. And of course, one of my closest buddies, Shane Pittman, and I will be on hand from the Holzer Files. We hope that you'll make it out to see us. All the information about that is at darknessevents.com. July 1st, I'll be at the USS North Carolina. If you want to investigate with me, come on out. This is going to be amazing. Again, information is available at darknessevents.com. And one other trip, it's almost sold out. We sold out of our Egypt trip. We've sold out of our Germany and Prague trip. And if you want to join me in England with Neil's story to not only have one of the most amazing tours of the supernatural and paranormal hotspots in England, but we're also going to be stopping for a three-day journey at the Festival of the Unexplained. It is a UK paranormal conference. I'll be a speaker, so will Neil's story, and so many other great legends of the paranormal field all under one roof and that's part of your ticket price to attend this event and this tour we'll have a couple day tour we'll do the three-day para conference and then a few more day tour so you get a lot of packed in value and we are more than half sold out on this trip again information at darknessevents.com. let's get back to it now our guest sally crow is with us her book is out and available is it on the 4th is that right? Yeah, the
2: 4th of April, actually. I, okay. was, I already got a copy. I was really surprised. It's like two months early.
0: Excellent. Well, Spirit Speaker is the name of the book, A Medium's Guide to Death and Dying. We have a link for it on today's program guide, so you can pre-order it. Make sure that you get it as soon as it is revealed. I said we're going to talk about a couple of sensitive subjects. Um, You touched on the fact of suicide being one of them. uh, So we'll get into that in a few minutes. But there was an article that I actually saw that came across today talking about um, uh, this mother. uh, She and her husband finally got married and they had this beautiful photo shoot. And to her astonishment in the background of her photo is what she believes to be the spiritual visage, the image of her 17-month-old daughter that uh, passed away. And as a parent, there's this double-edged sword. There's this, oh my God, they're still so close to me. And then the other side is this pure horror of, oh my God, they're still close to me. Why has my child not crossed over? I have been called to ho- to haunted locations around the world where there are children's spirits. And that's to me a horrifying concept not that i'm buying into the fact that oh it's a demon taking on the visage of this child to reel you in which i do think probably occurs from time to time and i've watched some lovely human beings who thought they were being helpful tell these spirits to come home with them because they're a parent and they don't these spirit children don't have to be alone anymore and i Mm -hmm. said you can't just open the door to this being you don't know what it is um but talk talk to us about child spirits um how do you rectify that uh, i I'm a Christian in my belief system, and I have a really hard time believing that that God would just leave a child stranded on earth in a spiritual form lost and and looking for connection. What can you tell us about that?
2: so a couple of things. First of all, I tell people that the death of a child is the worst death that anybody will ever experience, and Agreed. that People don't ever really get over it. They adjust. Mm -hmm. Um, I believe that when we die, we become all that we ever were. And that means that a child does not stay locked in the form of a child, although they may come forward in a communication with a medium showing that they died in childhood so that they're easily described to their family. When we see a child spirit that maybe is in a location that would be considered haunted, that's different. Usually, there was some kind of tragedy, and just like an adult's—I mean, when we die, we're all that we ever were. So that child spirit is an adult spirit that doesn't remember being anything more. Um, sometimes they're waiting for a particular person. I have two experiences that really stand out in my mind. One was I did um, an investigation of a house for people had moved into a house that was having some problems and they wanted to know i don't do it in the way of let's investigate and go like to a place that's notoriously haunted it's more having a problem i'm going to go in and see if i can help them and i think of it more as like negotiation so they were having a like things like their wallpaper being torn down, you know, torn down when they were putting it up, they could hear somebody moving around upstairs. Um, The mother of the house was somebody who had seizures, and she would find that whenever she she knew she was epileptic. So what started happening was she would feel somebody sit on the end of her bed when she was about to have a seizure. So like they call me in, they bought their house when an old lady was moved into a nursing home. And when I first walked in, I always go to the basement first, work my way up. And I get into the basement. I was, I had first asked myself, was anything left behind? And they said, no. I got into the house and went in the basement. And I was like, what's the suitcase under the stairs? And it was left behind. And it was filled with all this information. There had been a, what ended up being the spirit there was the spirit of a mentally handicapped man who was the son of the woman in the nursing home. And when I did communicate with him, first of all, he was afraid of me. He was hiding in the closet from me when I walked in Hmm. because he was still in the mindset of being a mentally handicapped person because he wasn't going to cross over until his mother did. So when his mother would die, she would come and get him. So he was stuck in that mental state. Okay. He didn't know that he had become like this infinite soul like we all do. And another thing is, is that, you know, I've had a doll that this was actually a really interesting case. It was another house that I went to because people were having a problem. It wasn't the problem that they were expecting, but I was there and I was like, what is that up there? And they were antique collectors. And the woman had a doll that her father had given. He was a musician and he had gone into the old tenement houses in New York City And he had found this doll and given it to his daughter when she was a kid. Now, this woman was now like 50 years old when I met her. And the doll was seriously had a child spirit in it. Like Mm. what had happened was that the girl who was the spirit had been sick for a long time with something like, um, oh, gosh, probably like tuberculosis or something along the lines of that. And then she had kind of like slipped into her doll. And so she literally was stuck in the dolls the doll she had her yeah. own container that she was not moving out of so i think that what happens is sometimes it's not that it's a child that's really they are like a child at that point but they're still a soul just like you or i that ages and has different lives and the difference is, is that we can get locked into the belief of something. That's like anybody else who ends up being a more um, ghost instead of a spirit. That's how I differentiate it. A spirit knows they're dead. A ghost doesn't know they're dead. So they get stuck in that place and often they need the help of a medium or some kind of spirit sensitive in order to help cross them over.
0: It's interesting, right? So now you've you've brought up. Uh, I love the fact that you differentiate differentiate between spirit and ghost. Mm-hmm. I wonder what I'll throw this uh, definition out to you for ghost, which it sounds like we're dealing with not a fully formed spirit, but a mm-hmm. fractal. Now, yes. if this little girl was sick and this doll meant something to her, her fears, her sadness, her.
1: A lot mm-hmm. of her
0: energy and anxiety was probably poured into that doll. So when she died, her spirit may have gone on. Yes. But what's left behind is the ghost of her, of mm-hmm. those fears and and the fear of death and all of that ick that's kind of left behind,
2: yeah.
0: uh, right? Is that is that a fair assessment as well?
2: Yeah. I also think that sometimes like with really haunted places that, I think you mentioned this a little bit earlier, that it's like a time lapse, mm-hmm. you know, because I stayed in a um, schoolhouse in <laughs> squab, maybe not, Scrapple, Scrabble, Scrabble Creek, West Virginia. OK, it's about two miles from the Potomac. And the first night I stayed there, I've stayed there twice because I really liked it. But the first time I stayed there, I had a young Confederate soldier come and wake me up who because they had been camping there and but it was very clear to me that this was more of an overlap space than it was a actual you know like ghost in the traditional sense of thinking of it like i think that some places can become thin and places where there's large tragedies so a lot of times like places that people do see as you know An asylum, for example, or a battlefield. I don't believe that all of those souls that we see in the shape of orbs are stuck there for eternity. I think that it's like a scar in a place where time kind of like circles around itself and that i really liked the movie i think it was called the others and nicole kidman in it where right. we can be this the ghost as well mm-hmm. because um this is a little of a weird but i've talked about it many times in my writing is i've communicated with myself since i was about four years old through mirrors. my sister and i both have and when i say that i mean we communicated with older versions of ourselves that were coming back and talking to us and You know, like, um, so I know that I've been, I'm the ghost sometimes. Do you know what I mean? Like we're, Mm -hmm. I don't believe that time is linear.
0: Agreed. Right. And that's, that's fun. Right. To that concept of considering what are we dealing with? And I often tell people they're like, well, my house, nobody ever died here. And I said, well, you're looking at it wrong. You're looking at the ghost must be the past. You very well could be hearing a, a future owner, stubbing their toe and screaming in pain. And it's not a ghost "Ah, coming to eat your soul. Dave Schrader just stubbed his damn toe for the 900th time. And "Ah," and that's that moment of rage just kind of came through time and space. And it might be something that happens 20 years from now. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people get set back on their, on their heels on that because it is such a mind blowing concept that, that we're not always, we're not always going in a linear form with where, what we're connecting with. Uh, we might be tapping into the future from time to time as well. And I'm, I've am i tried a few experiments. I go to a place where I, every year I go there, I run my recorder, mm-hmm. and I wait because I'm going to, about 10 years from now, go to that same place at that time and scream. Right. And I'm going to see if I can send it back. Will, at one point, will I get a recording of my scream before I ever do it just to try it out. You know, like I said, trying to figure out what it is spatially we're we're truly dealing with now with the concept of, uh, children's spirits. I don't know that I feel much better about the concept that they're here. Uh, as you said, like with the handicapped spirit, it felt it's still dealing with that. Um, when Mm -hmm. I did the investigation of the Franklin castle, um, in Ohio, um, and there was this little girl's spirit that was there uh, very interactive, uh, but she was waiting for her mom and dad to find her. The mm-hmm. mom and dad were there, but almost like in a different chapter of a book, looking to find her and so there's this disconnect between the spirit realms. People think it's all on the same line, but I don't think it is. I think it's like pages in a book, and they just weren't connecting that That crushed my heart as a father to know that this little girl was just she just wanted her mom and dad, and she's still there wanting her mom and dad. We did our best to try to help with that and call things forward to to make these connections. But um, you know, this is then where it starts getting into the concept of, of suicides and um or accidental deaths, you know, maybe mm-hmm. not necessarily a suicide in the set that I set out to do this, but because of my actions, it ended up taking my life because yes. I mixed the wrong things, so on and so forth. Um, people are always concerned of what does that mean? They have a loved one who passed to suicide or accidental suicide. Mm -hmm. What does that mean to you? Does that, you know, we've been taught this fire and brimstone nonsense from childhood that, you know, Mm -hmm. that that is the greatest sin of all and that God will never forgive. And most people are not in their right mind when they take their life. Most people are hurt, broken, and, and diseased. I don't mean in the normal sense, but diseased means you are right. without ease. Right. I don't believe my again. Don't believe my God would punish somebody who's not whose faculties are not all there, and they make a rash decision in a point of passion or loss. Um, but what can you tell people and all and be honest? Be honest to what you believe is going on with people that have have lost their life that way. So what happens to them?
2: First of all, I usually when it comes through in communication, I will start by telling people that, um, their loved one was partially responsible for their own passing. And I call it partially responsible. Sometimes it's suicide. Sometimes it's an overdose. Sometimes they were drinking and driving, you know, that's usually, um, Kind of like the starting point because i'm very sensitive to people's feelings too and emotions Mm -hmm. but i also know like what you said that a person who does commit suicide was already in hell they were they were drowning in their own emotions so Mm -hmm. one of the things that happens when we die is that our emotions get turned down so if you imagine your emotions on a volume dial of zero to ten most people go through life with their emotions at about a three or four. Somebody who is struggling with depression, anxiety could have their emotions as high as an eight or a nine, which if you try to imagine listening to your music at that level all day long, all the time, it would make it so that it became overwhelming and that you often wouldn't be able to think rationally and, um, And so when somebody is responsible for their own passing, they usually go into what I refer as timeout. Like, and I compare it to when a child has to sit in the timeout chair to look at their actions, okay, to see how their actions affected their own life and how their actions affected the lives of others. Like, sometimes it's even being able to see that you really were loved, that you were cared about because you were unable to feel that in your life. Um, So with those emotions turned down to about a two, which is what happens when we die, if we're using that dial again, we can start to almost watch our experience more like watching television. So when we watch something emotional in television, we have a response to it, but that response is distanced. We are able Mm -hmm. to process. So often the person who is responsible for their own passing will stay in this place of timeout for quite a while. They'll still have a loved one or whatever that's checking in on them, but they're not becoming spirit guides. They're not, you know, doing um, any work that doesn't have to do with their own
0: story. Mm-hmm. That, you know, I've, I've come to this weird conclusion that um, that's what hell and heaven will be as I've gotten older and Mm -hmm. and I've got much more road behind me than than I have in front of me is that my hell will be having to relive every moment I've hurt somebody's feelings Mm -hmm. by my actions and feeling not just watching but feeling that person's loss feeling that how that affected their personal relationships going forward to me, that, that will be the burden of carrying the boulder of that person's emotion that I put there.
2: It's heaven,
0: he, heaven to me will be being able to live every moment that I brought joy into the world. So my job now is doing the best I can to bring as much joy as I can into the world to offset that. So I know I'm gonna have to pay my hell price, but when it's over and done with, I wanna make sure so that my heavenly thing is, is, is just as is, uh, important.
2: I don't think that for most people, the hell price is that high, because I think that we see all the pieces that led up to it. It's more like watching, you know, like when you watch a movie and you get to see the backstory and you realize that the reason why, you know, your dad was an alcoholic was because this happened to him in his life. And then, you know, this is how the story is connected. I think that in general, It's even when we're in timeout, it's, it's not hell. It's, it's healing. And I also think that one of the more interesting things that has happened is that in the last, really the last, probably eight years, the number of families that I have helped who have lost somebody to overdose Mm -hmm. is phenomenal. And one of the things that I've also noticed is that often, not always, but I would say that half of those people who accidentally overdose are not as messed up as you would expect them to be when they cross over. Because really, in, for some, it, there was significant trauma that created the addiction to begin with. But for some, it's just not having good coping skills to even deal with their anxiety or maybe being given the wrong medication that they couldn't handle. And then, you know, they ended up down this road because there's a lot of that. There's a lot of people with addictions that started through pharmaceutical use. Mm -hmm. And so it's been a really interesting perspective to see sometimes how well adjusted those spirits can be because they don't have to stay in time out as long because they can see like, yeah, you did some bad things and some bad things happened to you. But at the same time, they get to know that this really happened to you because your system couldn't handle this. And then this whole thing was like kind of like when somebody has um, when somebody has something like Alzheimer's, the things that they see that they did is often like, you know, I describe it as often like being on a bender and then waking up and having somebody tell you or show you the things that you did and then going, Oh my God, I did that. You know? So it's the same kind of thing when our mental capacity breaks down, we are not as forgiving of ourselves as when our physical capacity breaks down.
0: Right. Agreed. Dealing with anxiety and depression through most of my life. That's a perfect analogy for it is As we're not quite as forgiving when you're in that mental state You're so much more harsh a judge and critic to everything. TR writes and says, so there are several stages you could go through before going to heaven or hell. How do you respond to that?
2: I believe that. I don't really know anybody who's been to hell. And I don't really know anybody who's been to heaven. And it's not that I'm saying that those things don't exist, but I don't think it's a one shot deal. I think that first of all, like when you talk about a cruelty, I don't believe that God is cruel. And I right. think that if you're born in, you know, absolute poverty in an abusive home, that if that's your only one shot and, and then this other person over here gets everything handed to them and you're expected to have the same outcome, well, that's mm-hmm. unlikely.
0: <laughs> I wonder, you know, so many of these trip moments in our life where things have happened, I, I have started to wonder, maybe you can answer this, if reincarnation exists, which I believe it it does I wonder if we're allowed to select who we come back as, Mm -hmm. uh, could, could the reason 40 people believe that they were once Napoleon, because at one point they did get to incarnate as Napoleon to know what that was like, or as Marilyn Monroe. And I wonder in these lifetimes, I've noticed in my life, a a lot of stop gaps. I call them moments. I should have died. Mm -hmm. And I wonder how many times my life did end at that moment. And I'm thrown back to to mm-hmm. live past that moment this time. And I I always take notice of that and I go, how am I still here after that? And each one is like another layer in the video game. I get thrown back and now I know how to beat that boss and move yes. on to the next. Um, I, And I wonder if if we do incarnate over and over. And I wonder if that's part of the depression and anxiety loop we get into is that we keep seeing a lot of the same things and and still don't necessarily have the cognitive ability to know how to deal with them. And that's got to be frustrating. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I, you know, I personally, if I could come back, it's going to be as Elvis, right. Not, not as Dave Schrader, but everybody says, well, that ended pretty tragically for Elvis, but it would sure be interesting to see what life was like that mm-hmm. would lead to that moment. So I can understand that. And I could understand why people would want to, to change avatars through their different you know spiritual uh, awakenings and maybe i'm wrong maybe that that isn't a possibility but i just it, it, to me it, i've always wondered if that is kind of a concept of what reincarnation is is giving us the chance to walk in the footsteps of others
2: well i think that i personally believe that everything is happening at the same time and that mm-hmm. we are more fluid than we believe and often i tell my clients that one of the most helpful things that i did for myself was starting to think of myself as multiple (laughs) and it sounds kind of strange but it it's because we like what you were saying like i believe that you know in some realities i didn't make it on the show tonight because it was just too late for me you know Mm -hmm. Um, and that was the simplest of our changes i also believe and I talk about this a lot that we're going through psychic evolution. And that part mm-hmm. of that is that we are starting to become aware of these multi-level, multi-life, multi-dimension, multi-reality mm-hmm. um, selves. And that I also, okay, I also believe that we can jump into other people's consciousnesses. I think, that it, I think it happens. I think that, You know, I mean, a psychic does that to some extent when they're reading for somebody. They are connecting with their consciousness. And that doesn't mean, you know, like people are always worried about like, oh, that means you can read somebody's mind or whatever. It's like, yeah, but why would I want to waste my time reading everybody's mind like that that enough of my own stuff, you know, but we can have those it's been proven like people can do who do distant viewing, you know, they're going somewhere else. Their spirit is leaving. Um, there are mystical traditions in which like the vulvas of, um, you know, Norse practices, they were known for one of the things that are said to have done is enter the consciousness of warriors. Sometimes when they are on the battlefield, they put themselves in, you know, you um, know, they, they put themselves basically in the equivalent of shutting out all their senses, you know, covering themselves in a shroud or putting themselves in a blackened room and sent their mind out. Hmm. So what's to say that everybody doesn't remember being Elvis because they just didn't have an experience of being Elvis in a particular moment. And this is, this is another thing I, I do think very big and have had so many unusual experiences, but I've met people who were walk-ins, you know, who had a near-death experience, and the person who was there before the accident is not the same person who is there after.
0: For those of you having a hard time struggling with that, go watch the movie Waiting for Mr. Jordan or the remake Heaven Can Wait, and you'll see what uh, she's referring to. Um, that's, That's another really... Interesting concept. I know our time is, is up and it's late for you and I appreciate you staying up, but can I ask, as we say goodbye for people that struggle with the concept of death, Mm -hmm. I've had a lifelong fear of death, something that ruled me for most of my life, and I know there are many others that are out there struggling with the concept of death. What can you tell them? What can you share with us to kind of put our mind at ease about what death really means?
2: I think death is a transition like birth. I think that our beloved dead are as excited to see us cross back into spirit as we are to have a newborn baby born into our family. And I think that if we all gave up using the words maybe, kind of, and think so to describe our spiritual experiences, we would all have a lot more of them because we are choosing to disbelieve. You know, Mm -hmm. if you have a choice between believing or disbelieving, you're still choosing. You're still like, it's not that the disbelief has been proven either. You know, it's just you're choosing to, you know, to buy into that. And if we just take those words out, and I say that because like, if often when people see something, they'll be like, I think I saw my grandmother. And I'm like, okay, can you say that without saying the word think? And they'll say, I saw my grandmother. I'm like, how does that feel to you? And they're like, I saw my grandmother. I'm like, yeah. Okay. So that would be my thing is to take your words of doubt out and just, even if you only do it for six months and you say for six months, I'm going to choose to stop using these words to describe my spiritual experiences and i'm going to choose to believe that my loved ones are around me and just pay attention to how many more experiences you have you know it's it's a choice how we live our life and yes i do want to have proof but i also in my would rather live a life in which spirit was part of it
0: i've got to guess finding that opening in your soul in your heart where you can allow that in would make our lives so much more rich. Uh, As we say goodbye here tonight for people that are on that journey, what's a good safe recommendation to open yourself to the ancestors, to the spirit realm?
2: Set up an altar and that altar can be any way that you want it to look. If you're setting up an altar for your beloved dead, having pictures of them or mementos of theirs, you know, holy symbols that mean something to you or them And spend time with it every day, even if it's just five minutes. So, you know, like if you're altered to your mom and she loved the kitchen, then put your altar there because it's going to be a place that she wants to hang out anyways and talk Mm -hmm. to them, you know, and allow yourself, this is kind of a funny thing, but allow yourself to listen because often people will say things like, oh, you know, I'm starting to sound like my mom. And I'm like, no, you're not sounding like your mom. You're hearing your mom. Or I'm starting to smell like my dad. It's like, yeah, you're suddenly smelling like your dead dad. No, you're smelling your dad. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I think it's about choosing, choosing. You know, we all are going to get there one way or another. It's up to us if we want to explore the idea of possibility.
0: I like it. Sally Crow, our guest, spirit speaker, a medium's guide to death and dying. Uh, The link for the book and the link to find Sally Crow is on tonight's program guide. So please go check that out for yourselves. Uh, Sally, thank you so much for being here with us this evening.
2: Thank you, Dave. I really enjoyed it.
0: All right, folks. This is just a taste of concepts of beliefs that exist. Many of you are on a journey. Many of you reach out to me and ask. Dave, I've become aware or things are awakening. What do I do next? There are people like this. There are learned people who have spent their life focusing on this and have put together books and journeys for you to follow. I recommend you, you listen to the guests, read the books that you find here from the guests that we share and may the darkness be just a little bit more light with the information that we bring you here on this program and support the authors and the guests by getting their books and rating and reviewing them once you've got them, because that helps to expose their work to a bigger, broader audience. And that's what we're all about is sharing and enlightening, impacting and affecting lives for the better. And I hope that that's what you can take away from tonight's show. Remember life is fragile and not another day is promised to you. So make the very best of the day that you have, fill it with love and laughter And I pray that each and every one of you come to terms with your own mortality so that you can get past it and begin living instead of living in a place of fear. Have a good one. We'll see you Friday with a brand new edition and all the boys back in town for the paranormal 60 news. This is the paranormal 60 and I'm your host, Dave Schrader.